Christmas series called Expecting the Unexpected. Expecting the Unexpected. How many of you have had something unexpected happen to you, for good or for bad? Only like, okay, there we go, this half. Anybody on this half? More than like three? Okay, good. Remember, this is participatory, so get those arms warmed up. Um, So we've been talking about this, and we all have these things in our lives that happen that we don't necessarily expect. And so last week, Mark did a great job at at giving us some insight into Zechariah and Elizabeth's story, his story of being in the temple and being visited by Gabriel, and matching that up with a little bit of Mary's experience and how she handled her encounter with Gabriel. They were two different encounters, and yet there were some similarities and then some differences that we're going to look at today. So today we're going to take a deeper look into Mary's journey, because I'm telling you, the things that happened to her, she was not expecting, right? I mean, what's the big one? Yeah, Jesus, right? Yeah. You know, more specifically, being pregnant with, while being a virgin. Wow. Would that not throw you in a loop? Ladies? <laughs> oh man. So uh, we see in this we will see in this passage that there are a, a list of things that are unexpected that she has to process all at one time. We see her getting loads of information. And then she her her beautiful response is, "Lord, I'm your servant. May all this happen according to your will." Now, isn't that a great response for all the stuff that she's being told. I mean, this is a teenage girl in a culture where her purpose is defined for her. Do you understand that? In our culture today, we're all in search of purpose, aren't we? Uh, Roles, gender roles, social roles, they're all different now than they were back then. For good or for bad, they're different, right? You have men staying at home with the kids. You have women going out working. You wouldn't see that in this culture. And so here we have Mary, who is this good, obedient Hebrew girl of her times. She did what she was supposed to do. She didn't create any fuss. She had high favor with the Lord. And so when we ask the question, how many of you ask, can God use me? Come on, who's who's asked that question? Well, absolutely, yeah, he can. And it's a question that we ponder. But as I looked into the scriptures, I was like, I wonder if Mary pondered that the same way we do in her context. What's my purpose? She knew her purpose. She knew her roles. She knew what she was supposed to do. My thought is that she was in search or in hope for a greater purpose than the one she had. Because we'll see, we're going to look in uh, verses 46 through 49, and we see the beginning of what's called Mary's song. She talks about 
how she's so grateful that God had seen her in the midst of her humble situation. That there was probably desire for more, but her purpose wasn't really questioned because we can, she already knew it. So we see that in our two different contexts, there are different expectations. Is that, is that pretty clear? Last night, <clears throat> excuse me, I went to um, uh, Mark's oldest son, Joe, his wedding last night. And Shannon and I were bringing our daughter, Gracie, and you've heard through previous stories here of my, my wedding experiences when my daughter's there. It's always a disaster. It's, it's, it's horrible. So here, I actually know the people really well. I want to have a good time. And so guess what I was expecting? The worst, right? The worst. And God pleasantly surprised me, and we had a wonderful time, and she was just the belle of the ball. She's on the dance floor doing her thing, which she does. She does this hand flap thing, and she turns like this. It was all cute and wonderful, and she was, she was on her best behavior. So we see that, that um, the unexpected can also be really pleasant, right? It can be really pleasant. And in this case, Mary had a very pleasant, unexpected event happen in her life, but that pleasant experience also became one of her greatest burdens because now she's the mother of the Son of God. And with that, have you ever heard that song, Mary, Did You Know? It's like, I mean, you probably heard it Ignazium by now, right? Mary, did you know your son was going to do this, your son was going to do that? Well, she was told what? She was told that <clears throat> she'd be the mother of the Son of God, the one on the Most High, but I don't know if she knew that her son would be, <clears throat> excuse me, dying on the cross for our sins, that she'd have to watch him suffer. So the greatest thing in her life became one of her greatest burdens. Right? That's parenthood, isn't it? <laughs> That's parenthood. So let's look at this a little bit. When we um, first, in uh, verse 26, we see in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Stop there. So, Mary is living her life. She's betrothed to this guy. I think Mark last week said betrothed. Did anyone pick that up? I made fun of him all week for it. Uh, is betrothed to this guy, good man. And all of a sudden, an angel shows up before her. Now, if an angel shows up and one of the top dog angels, Gabriel, shows up, what do you do? Put yourself there. What do you do? Panic? Check your drink. Make sure nothing's in it. Right? Huh? Fate? Is that what you said? Oh, faint. Yeah, faint. Yeah, pass out. That'd probably be my route. Yeah, right? You'd be, is this real? You'd have doubts. You'd be questioning your sanity. You know, right? I mean, a lot of these things would happen. Now, this is really interesting because he says, he says his greeting to her, and then the next verse says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Isn't this interesting? It doesn't say Mary was terrified because an angel just showed up in front of her out of nowhere. It was what he said rather than his presence. Now that, isn't that interesting? I would be panicking because here is one of God's top dog angels 
in my room. Now, now I, would, I would panic. I would be like, oh, my gosh. But she's not panicked. She's more panicked by the greeting. You're highly favored. You are chosen by God. The Lord is with you. And she's, she's troubled by this. So here she has the first unexpected thing. Here's an angel. The second one, what the angel says to her. Now remember, she's got humble origins. This kind of thing is not supposed to happen to someone like her. And that is why what the scriptures kind of show us here, doing our best interpretation, is probably why she's feeling troubled. Me? I know my purpose. This is not my purpose. I'm troubled by this. You see me, you know me, and now I'm favored? I mean, imagine, you're living your life one way, and then God shows up and says, now you're going to live it a completely different way. Whoa, that shakes things up, doesn't it? Isn't that called salvation? Yeah? Yeah. It should be different. And we see that here with Mary, and so she's, she's wrestling with this. Mary was, great, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said, sensing this, and you hear, you hear God say this all throughout the scriptures when he encounters people, do not be afraid. Right? He says this with Joshua. He says this with so many different people. Don't be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, his kingdom, and will never end. And it's like, whoa, that's a lot of information. I'm supposed to call him what? He's the son of who? Right? I mean, that. So here we have another unexpected thing. It would be enough, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be enough if she just saw Gabriel and he didn't say anything? That would, that would wreck your life for life, wouldn't it? I mean, that, that one unexpected thing is enough to turn your life upside down. And then, she, then Gabriel speaks to her. That's another thing. And then what he says is another thing. So she is consuming a lot of information. And she's only about 14, 15 years old, maybe even younger. That's a lot. Can, who has, who has a, a, a daughter around that age in here? Can you imagine your daughter processing that kind of information? That's a lot. That's heavy. It's extremely heavy. And Mark touched on this last week. In verse 34, she says, How will this be since I am a virgin? Okay. Zechariah in the temple had a similar question when he was told that he and, his, he and Elizabeth would have a child in their old age. And Mark alluded to that, the point that, well, they both said similar questions. That Zechariah is the one that kind of gets disciplined, doesn't he? It's like Gabriel says, shut up now. You're not going to talk for a while because you're not believing me. Well, Why? Why does Zechariah get the discipline and Mary doesn't? Well, if you look closely at the scriptures, the questions, though similar, are different because Zechariah says, how am I to be sure this will happen? Saying that God's saying this will happen and he's questioning whether God can do it or is going to do it. And Gabriel says, you got to be quiet because what God says 
God says, and it happens. And because you don't believe. Where Mary is saying, well, how is this going to be? Not questioning whether he'll do it, but how is this going to be? And it's almost like physically impossible without God, right? And that's why we see God will say, nothing's impossible for me. Okay, we see that at the end of the passage. But she's, she's a young girl who's trying to figure out the biology here. This shouldn't work. Whereas Zechariah, he, he's an expert of the law. He knows the scriptures. He knows that what's happening to him has happened before. And he had the guts to question whether or not God was going to do what he said he was going to do. So you see that there are two different situations here. Mary doesn't refute that God's going to do this. She just wants to know, well, based on the circumstances, how is that going to happen? Because I haven't laid with this man. How is this going to happen? So two similar questions, but very different. Does that make sense? And that's important to know because you can get confused by those two passages. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail which just reinforces what Gabriel said to Zechariah. Right? His question was, was um, refuting that fact, which is why the angel said, be quiet. So here we have another thing. So now Mary's, Mary's relative, who she probably knows, cannot bear children, now is told that no, she's going to have a kid. That blows up your mind box, doesn't it? So now she finds out her relative, who's older in years, couldn't have kids. She's now going to have a kid. I hope you can appreciate right now what we're seeing here, what this teenage girl is enduring. Now, we look at it, this is great news because it's our salvation. But you, you talk to her right then and there. That's probably overload. It's probably way too much for her. And her response is so beautiful. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. I am the Lord's servant. How many of you want to respond that way every time God calls on you? Yeah? Well, you know, in that culture, that, that kind of obedience is ingrained. Now, whether or not someone abides by that is another story. But that kind of obedience to say, when you really are a believer in God, especially in this culture, you're going to be obedient to him, right? You remember all the laws that they had to obey every single day. It was over 600 of them. So positioning themselves in a posture of, an, of obedience was second nature for some that were really following God. And so it wasn't a question for her if she was going to be obedient or not because Gabriel just showed up and, and just blew her up. So she says, I'm your servant. I'm in this. Now, if you stop here, you want to go, what happened next, though? Like, is she really feeling that way? Is she really feeling like she's the Lord's servant? Right? Because anyone can say that in front of someone, right? We put on a good face. When your life is not going well and, and you're a Christian and you're talking with other Christians, especially Christians you know live the life of a Christian, don't we put on our best face sometimes? 
Don't we not, we, we try not to wear our hurts, our pains on our sleeves to, to show these people that we kind of admire that we're hurting, right? So that's when I read this passage, I'm like, okay, well, she's in front of Gabriel. Of course, she's going to say, I'm your servant. But we get an insight because she goes to, um, this is not in your bulletin. So if you do have your Bibles, I'm going to just hop around here. I'm going to go to verse 39. Um, Mary visits Elizabeth, and we have this encounter where um, Elizabeth is pregnant with John, and John leaps with joy when Mary's around. Elizabeth now, her younger, her younger relative, is now saying to her, how blessed I am to have you here. Now Mary is probably, what? Right? Because you respect your elders. Okay? And now here's this woman who's kind of groveling in a sense. It's kind of like, whoa, you're going to bear, you're going to bear the Messiah. You're going to give birth to the Messiah. And so here's Mary's response. And we call it Mary's song. And I'm only going to look through the first few verses here. But she says this in response to all of this. She says, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. That's as sincere and as authentic as you're going to get. God, you see me, you know me. How blessed am I that you know me and you see me? That answers the question whether or not she can be used. Yes? God, can you use me? Can you use someone that has humble origins that you wouldn't see in a million years or according to my expectations you shouldn't see because of either the things I've done or my status, my social status, whatever? I mean, I still ask that question. God, more so now, God, why do you use me? Does anyone ask that question? When, especially when you're, you have those seasons where you're just not living the life. And you go, why, God, why do you still use me? Because he loves us. And his favor is upon us. Because we call him Lord and Savior. And... For some reason, we walk around still questioning our purpose, we question our value, and yet we claim to have the answer to all those things, don't we? Right? That's why we go and we share the gospel, because we want people to know what we know, what Mary experienced, who she gave birth to. We want people to know the name of Jesus, but for some reason, we don't fully accept the value that that name gives us. And we, full, we don't fully step out and say, yes, Lord, I'm your servant. We've got great excuses, don't we? Man, mile high of excuses of why we don't answer that way. Busyness, that seems to, isn't that the biggest one? Doesn't that seem, I've got too much stuff to do. I'll tell you what, Mary had plenty to do. Tons to do. So remember, she had no status because she was a female. She was a child in a culture where they don't recognize her as much value. So you better believe she was slaving away. She's doing everything that she was told to do. Yet what was her response when God called? I am your servant. Let's do this thing. And it says here, 
It says here in verse 39, right after Gabriel leaves, at that time Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. So she moved immediately. She started engaging her call right away. Right away. I don't understand. In my life, I don't get it. I don't know why we claim to love this God that loves us, that gives us value, that gives us a call, gives us purpose, gives us identity. And yet we still stray, which we know, okay, okay. But the thing is, we question all of that. We kind of do the Zechariah thing, even when we know better, right? How can you use me? Why would you use me? Well, I've told you in my word, I've told you a hundred times, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, and I want to use you. So whether you think you're worthy or not, it doesn't matter. Because it doesn't change the truth, does it? Whether you believe it or not doesn't change the truth. It's that he sees you, his favor is upon you, and he wants to use you for his kingdom and for his glory forever and ever. Amen. That's pretty simple. And if you didn't expect that this morning, good. Because God wants to do a work. He wants to do a work in, in, in your life, in this church, in this church family. We have to know that if we believe in Jesus, if we step into his presence, we have to know, we have to get, we have to understand that he does want to use us. He can use us, and he will use us if we posture ourselves like Mary did. If we say, I am your servant. And I don't mean just say it. Okay? I don't mean just say Anyone can say anything they want. Right? God wants to see it. What did, what did Mark say? He, God doesn't want our abilities. He wants our availability. Mary was available. Mary was available. Who's had someone in your life that God used to bless you in a wonderful way, like changed your life. Okay, imagine if that person did not say yes to the call. Imagine that. I'd be in jail. Truly, I would. If I look at where Jesus really impacted my life, even in pastor's home, if those people that didn't say yes to Jesus that did, I'd be in jail. Certainly. Can you imagine that? So don't ever think you can't be used because you're that person for someone else. Because you carry the name of Jesus, he wants to know that every person on this earth, he wants to be saved in the name of Jesus. He wants every life on this planet to glorify him. He wants every life on this earth to say yes to him. Hey, I am your servant. Imagine what will happen if we all said yes that way. And we rejoiced. Growing up, I used to read the Mary songs part, and I got bored. But you look at it. I, I want to challenge you this week. Read that. Read how she responds to Jesus, how re she responds to the news. Because it's not like, oh, this is too much for me. This is going to be way. She knows that God is with her because do not be afraid. The Lord is with you. What, mu what more do you need? She didn't, she didn't give excuses, did she? No, she didn't. 
She didn't. I'm great at excuses. Anyone else good at that? I'm like the master. I lost friends growing up because they said, you make too many excuses. Well, I'm good at it. Why not? Right? We make a lot of excuses to avoid the truth. Some of us have grown up in situations where the people around us have said, we're not worthy to be loved. And for that, I am so sorry. And so how, and we grew up, even when we meet Jesus, we grew up thinking that we still can't be loved. I know God loves me, but no one has shown me that. That's a hard thing, isn't it? But he does. The truth is he does. And the truth is he wants to use you for even greater things. Right? Jesus says, you, you who walk in, the name, in my name will do far greater things than who? Him. Whew. Is that hard to believe? Raise your hand if that's hard to believe. If that's hard to believe, how are you going to believe you have value? How are you going to believe anything he says? Right? Does this make sense? I mean, we should be living in such a way where we're always expecting God to do something unexpected. Right? It's that way of like, okay, what I think should happen or can happen, God's going to blow that up. He does that all the time with me. How I met my wife, for those of you who don't know, I'm not proud of this, but I met her online on accident. Right? And I was like, that's not how I planned it in my head. I, that was not how I planned it. But it happened. I was told by doctors. I was told by anybody that had a spiritual sense we were having a boy. And when I saw he had a girl, I panicked. And I said, what's wrong with my boy? That was unexpected. But the unexpected things in our lives become the greatest blessing. Sometimes they can feel like the greatest burden, but they're the greatest blessing. Because they're opportunities, they're moments where, whether we've said it verbally or not, it's like, okay, Lord, I'm your servant. I remember watching my daughter be born panicked because I've worked with teenagers for over 13 years. And I've seen what, what teenage girls go through, counseled them through it, and I hate seeing it. And I panicked. I did. Did anyone who has a girl ever panic? Okay. I panicked because I counseled teenage boys and I know what they think about. I know what I thought about when I was that age, right? But I remember going, okay, Lord, I have a girl. <sighs> Let's do this. And it's been the greatest blessing of my life. So when things come your way, you've got to believe the promises of God so that you can embrace the unexpected things he brings your way. Because if you don't know who you are in Christ Jesus, then you can't handle the unexpected things because you're not posturing yourself in a way that says, Lord, I'm your servant. Because only a person who knows their identity in Christ Jesus can say, Lord, I am your servant. Does that make sense? Only a person who knows their value in Christ Jesus can truly say, Lord, I am your servant. Because they know who they are. And then you can be used. Mary knew who she was. So we can say, Mary, did you know this? Mary, did you know She didn't need to know that. Because she knew who she was. And she could roll with it. She could go with it. She wasn't afraid of the unexpected things because she just got the most unexpected news you could possibly get in the history of the universe all in a few minutes. But she knew who she was. She even 
tells us, Lord, I am what? Your servant. So as we continue in this, this series, I want you to think that one, I want you to remember this. One, you are of great value. You are his. Those of you that call him Christ Jesus, you, are, you belong to who? Him. Secondly, if you know your value, then when the unexpected things come, you can trust them because you know who you are. And that, that gives us hope, right? Doesn't that? I hope it gives you hope because sometimes, you know, God makes us wait to the, the bitter end and it feels like nothing's coming. You feel like you're doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. And you're like, there's no change. What's happening? But we have to keep being faithful because there's joy in Christ Jesus every time we breathe in and out. Just because the circumstances around us don't change doesn't mean that God is not in the midst doing something. We have to be joyful always. We have to be trusting him always, even when circumstances stay the same. I mean, the Hebrews, when they were in slavery with Pharaoh, nothing changed. And they're calling on a God who they felt didn't answer. But did he answer? Yeah, he did. Yeah. And it changed history. We have to look at those things, those markers in our life to remind us who we are, to stand in that, to live in that, so that we can say, yes, Lord, I am your servant. Does this make sense? I hope it does. Because as we continue to move on in the call that God is, has for us here at Bridgewood, we're not going to be able to do the things we want to do in the name of Jesus if we don't understand who we are in Jesus. We're going to have a hard time doing that individually, and we're going to definitely have a hard time doing that corporately. And this goes from everything. When you know who you are, you're not afraid of tithing. You're not afraid of giving up your schedule for the sake of what God wants to do. You're not afraid to talk to certain people. Because you know who you are. You're a child of God that serves him because you love him. I mean, can you imagine if we functioned with the, in that? We would never have budget problems, would we? We would never have these kind of uh, moments where we're regretting not talking to this person because we were too scared. I, I mean, if we claimed our value in Christ Jesus, things would look different around here. And I'm praying for that. I want to see that. And I hope you do too. And we're all part of that change. Right? We have this, we made a big hoopla about all this transition from Mark to me and, and all this new stuff that might be happening. This, this sense of newness. Right? Has anyone ever you felt that? Okay. All right, we're getting some solid direction or solid this or solid that. You know what? We are. But it's all based on Jesus. All of it. All of it's based on Jesus. And we all want to go that direction. And so we want to continue to claim who we are in Christ Jesus so we can go where he wants us to go. And we have to do it. I can't do it. We have to do it. Are you hearing that? The we word? We. Scripture is all about the we. All of it. God used an angel who talked to Mary. God used an angel who talked to Joseph. Mary and Joseph talked. You know, it's a we thing. 
So if we truly want to be the people God has called us to be, it's got to be a we thing, and we've got to do it out of our value in Christ Jesus. Amen? All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you give us clear instructions on how to live this life. Trust you. I, I, I don't see how it can get any clearer. Do not be afraid, for I am with you, you say. We need to trust you. Why would you die for us if you didn't love us with everything you are? Gosh, may we, we fully, Lord, may we fully understand it. May we fully get our value as Mary did so that we can respond, Lord, I am your servant, so that the unexpected things don't frighten us, they encourage us. So the tough things in this life, they don't scare us away, but they give us opportunity to trust you. They give us opportunity to be a light, to be the people you've called us to be. So, Lord, we pray for Bridgewood. Because it's not the building, it's the people you have brought together here in this place. Take away the building, Bridgewood is still here because you have called us together by the name of Jesus. And we want to live out of that name. We want to live out of the truth of who you are in our lives. And so, Lord, we give you the direction of this place because it's your direction. We give you the finances because money issues are not an issue with you. Lord, we give you um, the past, the present, and the future of this place. And we ask, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that Bridgewood would become a church body that says, Yes, Lord, we are here. We are your servants. Do with us what you will for your kingdom and for your glory, not for my own, so that people may know the name of Jesus Christ and be transformed with ever-increasing glory in the name of Jesus. That's what we want, Lord. So here we are, Lord, use us. And we just pray that you would bless the offering, that we would not be afraid. We would not be afraid of what it means to give. We would not be afraid. When that that plate comes by, we would not be afraid of it, but we would trust you in the midst of it. And so, Lord, we thank you. And we pray that we would continue to worship in spirit and truth this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.